Hey guys, and welcome back to Goodversations, a collection of honest, deep dive conversations with talented voices in the theater industry. My name is Alexandra, and I'm joined today by Gavin Creel. Gavin received a Tony Award for his performance in Hello Dolly on Broadway in 2017. No stranger to London audiences, this is actually Gavin's fourth time performing here in the West End. He most notably originated the role of Elder Price in the London production of The Book of Mormon, for which he received the Olivier Award for Best Actor in a Musical. He is currently performing opposite Sarah Bareilles in the West End production of Waitress, so you can see him here until March 21st. This conversation was so special to me, and you'll hear the reason why at the beginning of this episode. But Gavin is basically the whole reason this podcast exists. So having the incredible opportunity to sit down with him backstage at the Adelphi Theatre was definitely a dream come true. Gavin and I talked about a whole range of things, from crafting his own stage relationship with Sarah Bareilles, to being an extroverted introvert, to his thoughts on the real meaning of success, and so much more. You can find Gavin on Instagram at Gavin Creel Official and follow Good Versations for more episodes of this show. Here's my conversation with Gavin Creel. Creel, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. It's good to be here. Um, okay, so before we jump in, I have to tell you something. Okay. You're kind of the whole reason this podcast exists. Shush. <laughs> yep. Why? Okay, why? let me tell you why. So a couple of years back, I was doing my bachelor's dissertation, and I could choose to either do like a creative project or, you know, the academic piece. And when I heard that choice, I was kind like, definitely academic, never creative, because I've never considered myself to be a creative person. I remembered this like it was yesterday. <laughs> I was on the bus going to uni to like submit my proposal. And I was madly in love with the theater. I had seen so many West End shows the year before. And so I thought, wouldn't it be cool to do something theater related, right? And I was on the bus and I went on my podcasting app to like listen like a theater podcast. And then I typed it in. Yours came up. Your conversation with Rory, Rory O'Malley. O'Malley. Yes. yes. And I was literally going to my uni to submit that proposal for like an academic piece that had nothing to do with theater. And you said... Everything starts with an idea. Yes. Oh you my did? God. Yes. Amazing. But, but yes. So that I happened. just said that last night. I was talking. To, I was just talking about that last night. Keep about, saying it. Yeah. It's just. It's. I. Yeah. Keep going. Keep going. Yes. Tell me more. Tell me yeah, more. Yeah. So long story short, and and you were just basically saying you have to trust yourself and you have to pursue these ideas. You have to like give yourself permission. Got off the bus. I had like thirty minutes to like rewrite my entire proposal for your dissertation. For my dissertation. Holy crap. And it evolved into a theater magazine. And then I thought, once I finished doing it, is there a way for me to kind of keep doing it? Yeah, continue on. And here we are. I love that. What a great story. I want to get on that bus. That bus sounds like a magical place. <laughs> oh, honestly. So thank you so much I'm for... So, I'm so grateful. You know, it's the funny thing about being a performer. I mean, especially in the theater, because the theater is a niche audience. It's yeah. it's expensive. It's, it's a lot of work to come and bring your family or your kids and get a babysitter and parking and... And it's, it's exclu- it seems exclusive. It's not. It's for everybody, but it's expensive. And it I worry sometimes that as much as I love the theater, and I know you love the theater, 
that we're only reaching like a small portion of the people that could be affected by it. And that's what's great about the internet. I'm not a, I'm not a big, in a lot of ways, I'm not a big fan of the internet. And, mm-hmm. and then in a lot of ways, I really am. And obviously, we all use it, and it's fantastic. But it's very humbling to think that something I said to a great pal of mine about creativity. I mean, do you know who Brene Brown is? Yes. The writer. Like, I'm, yeah. re- I'm reading Daring Greatly right now, and mm-hmm. I have... I'm not a big reader, so it's taken me some time, but I'm like underlining sentences and thinking to myself, ooh, I need to do that. I need to, I need to hold my hand to the flame about that thing, about vulnerability or whatever. Yeah. So to think that you, you heard or, or that anybody comes to see Waitress at the Adelphi Theater and listens and, and thinks, oh, wow, that voice touched me or that, that Sarah's message touched me or her performance touched me, mm-hmm. and it's just humbling and, and thrilling and so you just I'm going to keep going thanks to you yes please thank do you. thank please you do. but because you inspired me in this way I'm wondering who inspires you um Sarah like it's an easy quick answer just because I'm constantly inspired by the way she shapeshifts in the industry she's not afraid to step into the corners we talk about this the corners of the room that scare her she's like I'm going in there I'm going to go try hosting the Tony Awards when they asked me to do it. And I thought, I don't know what I'm doing. Or I'm going to try writing a musical when I don't know what I'm doing. And it's inspiring. She's an immediate uh, inspiration. Um, Barack Obama, I'm, I'm, I mean, he's, I think he inspires millions and millions of people. But he and Michelle and their relationship and the way that they live their lives and raise their kids and in the midst of a country that was splitting apart still tried to hold to their ideals and and now we're experiencing a completely opposite end of it and I think he's made a comment where he's worried that he pushed the country too far too fast and I go no you did exactly what you should have done and he followed it I just I'm, I'm inspired by people who are kind of going towards the scary stuff because I don't always do that yeah. Amazing. But you touched upon being inspired by Sarah, and I yeah. do want to talk about your chemistry oh. because it's off the charts. Oh, I, bless you. I saw the show the other week, and again, and it was just incredible. Thank you. So because you guys have been friends for years before this, mm-hmm. how what was it like crafting that onstage relationship? Uh, great question. I was scared because we were only going to do it for four weeks on Broadway. So there's an easy, you could easily just say, ah, whatever, it's just a gig. Just go and do it and be done with it. But I didn't want, with somebody you love so much and you know personally, I was nervous. And I've seen it happen with relationships when they get on stage and they have no chemistry. And I was worried that we would, I, I didn't know what kind of actress she would be like. and Or if it would be weird or we'd be embarrassed to be playing characters next to each other. And then when I saw how she, she is playing a part, um, but she doesn't put any barriers between the audience and her she's just real and and present and open and that's what I try to do and honor the part and honor the humor and honor the whatever but I try to be as human and and believable and real as I can and it just linked up in a way that I've never experienced I said I said Sutton Foster and I had like a really cool connection when I first started in Thoroughly Modern Millie and this is like next level yeah it's like it's like I'm I'm so glad I got to experience this again. Amazing. And yeah. how kind of different or similar are you to Dr. Pomodor? Um I I think probably I mean I every character I play I bring as much of me to it as possible. 
I used to take offense when people would say, oh, you're just yourself up there. And now I'm like, it's the greatest compliment somebody can give because I think it's what authentically lines up with me. But I, I'd like to think that I wouldn't make... Uh, who am I kidding? I've made poor choices in my life and regretted them and had to apologize and forget, ask for forgiveness. I think probably I would hope that I would be a little more honest. <laughs> um, I am trying to be uh, off sugar and I fail, but I am trying to be, I don't know about the leptin resistance and chromium deficiency and decreased yeah. longevity, but just knowing that I'm trying not to eat as much sugar. So that's the way I line up. And um, we're both in love with Sarah Bareilles, so. <laughs> I can be better. Yeah. Um, and because both of us love this show so much, what do you think everyone should come and see it? I think it's about standing up for what you believe to be your destiny even in the face of your life seeming so simple and um inconsequential to the world because they they all these people are flawed um i think very real if not hilariously comic or deeply tragic but they're real people who are on some level thinking that they don't really matter all that much that's why it's my favorite song she's ever written you matter to me because i just think what better thing could a human being say to look someone in the eyes and say, not only do I see you, but you matter to me. And and I think she just captured it so beautifully. Definitely. Yeah. And I think anyone who comes and sees it, they can identify themselves with one character or the other I or a combination. So. I think so. Like, who do you? Okay, yeah. If you have, you have to, I'm curious. <sighs> Probably Dawn. Dawn. Yeah. Because I'm, so, I'm such an anxious person. I'm not very... Are you? Yeah, I'm introverted. Or I can be. Um, and so I think... Just opening up and like, opening oh, up, yeah. Opening up. <laughs> um, but like being inspired and like following through and like following your bliss, as you said in yeah. that interview. Yes, I, um, lo- I love that interview yeah. because that yeah. was such a good, that was Rory mm-hmm. in his place of power, like you are with this podcast, oh. of just going, talk to me. And he made me feel safe and open and then I just sort of talk. Yeah. I think um, also to compliment you, I think great thing about being a quote-unquote introvert, said the woman who runs a podcast, but like to interview people and to talk, introverts hold amazing space for other people. They're great listeners, I find, in a lot of, in a lot of cases, like people who keep quiet, observe, and listen, whereas I'm, I call myself an, uh, an extroverted introvert. Um, or an introverted extrovert. I don't know which one it is. I, I, I like ultimately don't, I'm perfectly fine. You could throw me in any scenario and I'll make friends with a lamppost and talk. But I'm, I'm fine being in public situations. I love talking to strangers. I love meeting people. But my ultimate favorite thing is like dinner with one other person. I don't like big parties. I don't like opening nights. I'll go. I'll do it. Mm-hmm. I'll do the thing. Mm-hmm. But like to be able to do this and share this with many people is... It's a beautiful thing. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thank you very much. <laughs> now, okay, so you've accomplished incredible heights, you know, uh-huh. in your career. So winning Tony for yeah. Hello Dolly and bringing Elder Price to London. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of wondering, having done all that, do you have like a working definition of success at this point? Good question. Um, I just had therapy today, so I'm wide open and I'm going to share what my therapist and I were just talking about. My... My, I was asking him kind of like, we were getting deep in the session about what are we doing here? Who are we? What, why, why? Why is this? Mm-hmm. And the thing that we talked about and I talk about when I'm teaching class or when I'm thinking about 
how to be better in front of an audience, um, connect with a stranger and get to share this moment, is connection. And I think I feel the most successful when I'm connected. When, when I, I look at someone else and I connect with them and I see their eyes light up or I see them go, oh yeah, cool. I'm like, oop, that's success to me. And it doesn't matter if it's one person in a room or 2,000 people in an audience. If I get that laugh or that clap or, or, or that gasp or something, I'm right now working on a piece that I'm writing and my hope above all things is to that in some way every single person there is inspired, uplifted, and feels possible. I want anything I do to make people feel possible. I can do that. I want to do that. Like, like cool, in the way that you just affirmed, I feel like a success now because you told me something I said to a friend in passing inspired you to start this, and this is so cool. That's success to me. It's less about the stuff I have or the things I got recognized for. Those are nice. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, of course. I, I'm never going to get rid of my Tony or my Olivia Award. But like, <laughs> where'd you keep them? They're on my bookshelf, uh-huh. on a low, low shelf. So if you won't see them if you come, if you come over and you're sitting for a while and you're looking at my bookshelf when you've been, you had a glass of wine and we're really getting in there, you might notice it. But I don't, you know. Yeah. So I think that would be success for me. Amazing. Yeah, connection. Um, and I also want to know, do you have like a favorite failure? You know, a time where you learned something the hard way that kind of set you up for success later in life? Yeah. You know, I thought of one, but I'm going to tell one that's a little more exposing. When I was doing Book of Mormon, it was the hardest thing I've ever done. And I had crazy vocal problems. No, no, they weren't crazy. I did the show like 1,300 times. Mm-hmm. And I would say of those 1,300 times, 99% of them were great. But there were a lot of shows that I didn't make because I was sick or I got viral laryngitis or I got straight up laryngitis from overuse or exhaustion or stress or acid reflux, all these things. And it got to the point where it almost, I almost quit everything. Cause it, there was one point where I was in, I'd done the road for four months. I did London for a year and a half. I came back to the road. And when I was back in the, before I went to Broadway for another year, I came back to the road And I was doing the show. Everything was fine. My friend Carol and I had a beautiful steak the night before, which I think is what sent me into a spiral because my stomach overnight, just acid came up. And Mm -hmm. and and I was doing the matinee, and I felt my voice. I was like, I felt totally fine. I wasn't sick. I was singing. The show was going fine. And then the minute my voice started to just drop and drop and drop. And then by the evening show, I was like, I'm out. I can't do the show. And then I was out for almost, I think in 34 shows, I did nine and then during that time, I went back to, I was in Toronto. I moved back to Michigan for a week to go see a voice teacher and a doctor there that I trusted and loved and knew. I uh, cried in their living room. I was like, I just don't think I can do this anymore. I don't, I don't, I don't enjoy this. This isn't fun. I'm stressed out. And if it weren't for that, I think I wouldn't, I'm still dealing with the stress from that. But it is just something that I'm like, if I'm going to keep going in this business, I have to get a hold of that anxiety and that stress and not, as Sarah and I talk about, not tell that story that I'm the guy who has a stake and then is out for five weeks. Yeah. That was an, a one-time thing. When I get sick, your body gets sick. It's trying. It's, it's, it's holding yourself to this level of perfection. Elder Price is like perfect mm-hmm. and he's striving to be perfect. And the great thing about it and that character and playing that character was so much fun. It was like, he learns, oh gosh, I'm a mess, just like everybody else. I'm going to be okay. But 
setting that up and having to sing those songs they're so high and crazy and loud and you're talking for two hours two and a half hours on stage knowing how to pace yourself and be kind to yourself is something I continue to work on so that was a dark time and I'm glad that I'm still here I'm glad glad me too me too and I continue to keep going but I also am not going to hold myself to that kind of perfection or standard anymore because I can't achieve it my body's changing my voice is changing my life is changing I got to change with it and it's so important that you said this because I feel like a lot of people, you know, they strive for that perfection, especially starting out. But then also they look up to the theater greats like yourself yeah. and they kind of think, oh, you know, they must have had it easy the entire time. So it's it's really good that yeah. you share that. Yeah. Um, and it was actually going to be one of my questions. If you ever suffer from that what if syndrome, you know, what if what if this happens? Yeah. Are you ever anxious and stuff? And I'm trying to journal. I'm trying to have more regular exercise back in my life. I had back surgery two and a half years ago, yes. and I wasn't able to do anything physical for the longest time except the show. And then I stopped, and I, I'm just now starting to figure out how to get exercise back in my life in a way that doesn't pressure myself to have the... It's not about glamour body or anything anymore. It's about maintenance and strength, and yeah. it's boring, but it's it's my life now. <laughs> Um, and also, you know, besides acting, I feel like your creativity as a writer and you know, right. as a um, teaching artist as well is definitely a superpower. Do you think? Would you agree? Yes, I would. Okay. I think I think that I will own that, and I will thank you for saying that. I think I'm a really, I think I'm a really um, blessed and lucky and talented performer, but I I get the thrill from teaching I get that I that I don't always get from performing I and that's about connection that's when I'm a success when I'm like working with somebody who's in a state of like I don't know I'm like let's roll these sleeves up and let me get in there and try to figure out how to help you because my way of showing love in the world is by giving and fixing and doing and it's not always a good way to be it's a lot of times you're like Gavin shut up I just want you to listen right now and I'm like right cool okay but when I have the opportunity to help or give or do or fix or change or inspire, that's when I feel the best. So teaching is like the greatest. And then writing has become this beautiful sort of meld of performing and teaching. It's like, this is what I have to say, and I'm the one that gets to decide how to say it, and then I can share it. And I'm just so excited about what I'm, where I'm heading with that. At the Metropolitan Museum of Art, I'm doing a... a a commission with the Met, their Met Live Art series. Oh my gosh, look at your shoes. <laughs> Those are fierce. She has the most amazing shoes. They're like Mary Poppins suede yes. with like and, Mar- and uh, maroon. Yeah. Those are badass. Okay, sorry, I'm, I'm a little ADD. <laughs> but it's yeah. going to be June 22nd at the Metropolitan Museum of Art. I have a commission. We're going to do a little, I think a little band um, and all original music, some of which I had written before and I found art to match, and then some of which I found art and wrote songs about, so it's outside in, inside out, and all in the quest of trying to find where I belong in that space. Oh, incredible. Yeah, I'm excited. Amazing. Um, and I hope it goes well. I, I really hope do. so too. Thank you. Um, so, can you tell us about a time in your career when you were literally unstoppable in achieving something? You wanted it so badly, and how did you get there? Moving to New York. Uh, I went to school at the University of Michigan School of Music, Theater, and Dance and studied musical theater Mm -hmm. for four years. I came to London one of those semesters and studied. That was my first long time uh, visit to London since I've been here five times, including that. Um, uh, I think probably that's the moment that the tipping point or the the moment that things changed where I just, I decided after four years of study, I'm going to go there 
and pursue this thing that was amorphous and large and scary and big. Looking back now, it's very easy. Hindsight is very, very easy to go, well, yeah, of course, it all worked out this way. But at the time, it was terrifying. And I had no idea where I was going to live, who I was going to be, didn't know anybody. And it really is just a thing. You just have to keep walking. You have to keep going. And if your intent is pure and clear and you're willing to put the work in, um, I just think you can't miss what's meant for you. It's what my therapist and I talk about. It's what my friends all believe. It's what I believe you're... That for me was like I was undeterred. And I also stayed flexible. Like I, I wasn't... I see a lot of young people now when I teach that think that they become a bit myopic in what they want. And I just want them to, if I could give any advice, it's keep your options open. Keep, keep, keep your gaze wide because you might miss something peripherally that could be your destiny if you're only staring at the one thing, you know? Oh, I definitely know. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Well, hello. Yeah. <laughs> you lived it. Like you, you, yes. you, you were going in, you were going to do, it wasn't creative, it was... Creative or academic. Academic, yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah, but not even that, because I moved to the UK five years ago, actually a bit more than Where five years from? ago. Where are you from? Latvia. Oh, so, yes, that's right, that's right, you said, you said. Yeah, so, because I moved over here, I didn't know anyone. I was I was coming to uni, sure, so I would have people there, but it was it was not my first language, and I was like, I don't know if I can do this. And I was moving on my own, my, my whole family's back home, so I was like, holy shit, like, what if I don't... Succeed. How did you? Can I ask? Yes. Latvia. Obviously, you speak Latvian. Yes, I do. So, how is your accent American? You, Good question. Like, like I mean, I, yes. hear, I hear you're from somewhere yeah. else every once in a while, but yeah. and you've lived here for five years. Yes, I have. So, how did you get? I'm so um, curious. I feel like two things: YouTube and television, because we get everything subtitled or dubbed. So right. I would try and take that off and kind of just focus on the language. It's amazing, your accent's amazing. There's sometimes when I think like, that's what's so great about America. It's just a big, is melting pot. And that's what we have to, my opinion, we have to stay focused on the fact that we're a melting pot and then we all came from somewhere. It's exactly. exciting. And you know, looking forward, because you touched upon your uh, Met Museum project. So yeah. what is something that you sh you're still itching to try? What would be your next challenge? As far as musical theater is concerned, I would like the chance to originate the title role or the lead, of, you know. I would like the chance to put one role in the canon of musical theater because really I did Thoroughly Modern Millie. That was my first role in my original original credit and then after that I did Bounce at, at um, Chicago and Washington DC which became Roadshow so I sort of originated that role I guess I sort of I know I did originate that role and then I did Prometheus Bound in 2000 I think it was 2011 I've seen pictures from that oh gosh it's insane um, but the those are really the only commercial uh, opportunities that I had to originate I mean I played Elder Price and it was new and I Dr. Palmer's new, but obviously I didn't read it. I would like the chance to... It's hard and scary and stressful and all that good thing, but I think I would love to sink my teeth into with a, another writer, something new, something that speaks to maybe the gay community. I'd love to play a leading... I want to play a gay leading role character in a, a new musical that gives quality voice to... Because it's funny, the, the industry is full of um, gay men and women... But there's so few stories in musicals that highlight that. There may be some supporting characters once in a while or, 
you know, you'll get a Lacage or a fun home, which which well, are the prom. The prom, fun, yeah. yes, exactly. I just would like falsettos, and I would just like more opportunities to tell my story. And my, the, the 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 Met piece, my hope is to turn it into a theater piece. I call it a concert call, like a concert and a musical had a baby. But my that's I'm playing myself. I'm yeah. going to be talking about my own life and. I'm gay, so I'm gonna tell the truth. Yeah. Amazing. Well, we're putting it out there. Yeah. So what I what I look forward to is you and I sitting backstage at Circle in the Square or the Booth Theater on Broadway after I've opened and this show's a big hit, and we'll have another interview. How about it? Yes. Let's do it. Shake Definitely. on it. Shake on it. All right. Thank you <laughs> right. so much. Thank you. Pleasure. If you enjoyed this episode, then please consider giving us a rate and review. This would help me tremendously in reaching more theater fans and also getting more guests on this show. And I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode. You know, I'm always just one message away on Instagram and you can find me at Goodversations. So let's get to know each other. My hope is to create content that you guys would like to hear. So drop me a line and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Thank you again so much for listening and I'll talk to you again next Monday.